0: because it's easy to earn trust up front, But once you lose it, it's really, really hard to get it back.
1: Everybody knows what's going on in the bathroom. Doesn't mean you want to have everybody watching, which is why you close the door. That's privacy. If you would do something secret in there, then closing the door would be security, right? That was a key difference, I would say.
0: There are ways to anonymize data sets. There are ways to manage data sets in a secure fashion so that we can still have the progress.
1: Welcome to episode four of our podcast, Apps, Games and Insights. We are your hosts, Dirk Prims, that's me, and Tamsin Taylor. We are both from Google. Laws on consumer privacy are becoming stricter and the penalties more significant. Rightly so.
2: But we know that user trust across platforms is critical for the apps and games industry. And safeguarding people's privacy is front and center in achieving that.
1: Do you know what you do if a user pings you and asks for their data? Do you protect user data to the best of your abilities? What are the ways that you can protect and secure user privacy? All of these are questions that we plan on asking our guest today, Bruce Gustafson, CEO of Developers Alliance, and talk about the practical steps you can take to protect user privacy.
2: Thanks for joining us, Bruce. The first thing we were keen to talk to you about was the reason you're here today, which is privacy or privacy, depending if you're American, <laughs> Canadian or German. <laughs> So privacy is pretty big at the moment. I'd love you to give us a quick perspective on how you define privacy and why you think it's really a big topic today.
0: Sure. You know, it obviously burst on the stage with Cambridge Analytics and, you know, there was a handful of bad actors out there and there's been a lot of talk for a long time about big, bad internet companies that are hoovering up everybody's data. You know, I think when we collectively as a community, when we sort of surprised people and we broke the trust that we had established. I think that's when things got kind of scary, right? And government steps in when they see bad things happening and there's big, bad companies. So, I mean, it's a huge thing, both, you know, Brussels, D.C., California is in the game now. Everybody is trying to make a mess of it. So we brought it on ourselves, is all I can say. We could have behaved a little better.
2: Mm -hmm. Do you see that privacy is different to security? How do you define the two?
0: (laughs) Dirk has a great line that (laughs) that he'll be happy to share. (laughs) Oh, come on.
1: on, (laughs) All right. Everybody knows what's going on in the bathroom. doesn't mean you want to have everybody watching, which is why you close the door. That's privacy. If you would do something secret in there, then closing the door would be security, right? And that was a key difference, I would say, that privacy is basically, at least in my world, and I'm looking at this with developer eyes, uh, privacy would be, for me, the right to control what I want to share and what not, and security would be a tool for that. Like a tool to encrypt, to secure, to protect that information. But the one is a tool. The other one is my intention,
0: basically. Well said. I love the bathroom analogy. <laughs> cool.
2: You're looking after the Developer Alliance group. I guess from your perspective, you must talk to developers every day, like Dirk and myself do. What are the developers telling you are their biggest privacy issues at the moment? Or how? What are the, what are the big problems they're tackling with in this <laughs> yeah. topic?
0: Yeah. I mean, they roll their eyes as soon as they start talking about privacy. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, it's all over the news. You know, they all know they need to be doing something better. I mean, we you know, we do talk to them all the time, we do surveys, we do all kinds of stuff, and you know, the overwhelming response comes back and says, you know, we want to do better on this, we wanna be good actors, we know there's bad actors out there, and when something bad happens, we all suffer, right? You know, government wades in, the rules change, we don't get access to, you know, APIs and data that we would have had access to before. Their biggest challenge, though, is what do you do, right? Like, it's the tactical stuff, right? So nobody wants to hire lawyers. There's no point in trying to read these privacy regulations. They make no sense to anyone who doesn't have the background, right? So, you know, they call me up and they ask, you know, just tell me what to do, right? And so we have spent some time trying to put that together to give them some advice. And, I mean, I think that's—it's good that they're asking. It's nice that people are taking it serious and— If, as a dev, you aren't asking those questions and you aren't thinking about privacy, now's the time. Because it's coming whether you like it or not, and it'll change how you have to do business.
1: Yeah, so as a developer, I also imagine it's a bit of a conflict between two different forces, right? On one hand, you like to build a solution that maybe in the future has application you don't right now think of. And therefore, in the past, sometimes developers would have collected even like data they don't immediately need for some future purpose. And right now all of a sudden with the current legislation, and everything, they are on the hook for it. Right. And then I remember I started giving privacy and security talks like ten to fifteen years ago. And the initial reaction was, Oh yeah, we encrypt everything. But that's <laughs> that's not solving for the problem, right? right? Just because you transmit something encrypted, it's not guaranteeing privacy. What kind of advice would you give a developer um, how to navigate that field to keep yourself open to the opportunities that may not just have come to pass and
0: being true <laughs> to your clients, right. um, handling data in a responsible manner, all that? Responsible manner. You're, you're sort of hitting on all the right terms, right? People are happy to share data, you know, in exchange for services, right? I mean, that's they demonstrate that all the time, right? So, you know, the nice part is we have a sort of a business model that works. You can put out free services. You know, people are happy to tell you, you know, where they are, who they are. They'll, you know, give you some idea about their preferences for sort of what they like in, you know, shopping or whatever, where they're driving, you know, all kinds of great stuff in order to get cool services, right? They'll, they'll make that trade. As soon as you violate this implied bargain... You know, if they think they are sharing where their car is so that they can get driving instructions, and all of a sudden they discover that you're using that data for some other purpose, you're alerting the police to where they may be or where the crowds are, and then, you know, the implied relationship breaks down, right? So my advice to developers is really, if you're in a situation where users are willing to share data, you now have a bit of an obligation to treat that data appropriately, to do with it stuff that you know they would approve of, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that whole part of that trust relationship, right? So being open and transparent with what you're up to and then making sure that you don't turn around and do things that would surprise people with the data you collect. And and then you're, you're free to collect sort of what you would like. And I think people are pretty open to that. What difference do you see based on country? Like I imagine that maybe
1: consumers in the US are fine with other things than consumer in Europe and again, than consumer in Asia or in Africa. Is there something like... I don't know, a common denominator, something that generally works or where you feel like there's a process how you can think of this?
0: I always push people back towards, you know, what would your mom think if she was using your app and, you know, that sort of stuff. But there is a difference certainly between how Europe sees this and you see it in in the regulations, right? The way that Europe, the European rules, GDPR and stuff treat data. It's very much privacy is a right. And in order to share people's data or make use of people's data, there has to be some sort of explicit transactions taking place. So, you know, they like consent. They like uh, upfront approval of what's going on. US, you know, a little more laissez-faire, right? Free speech and all that. So it's a little softer, but I think the rules are blending. I talked to devs. There's not so many of them that are building apps just for one market, right? Even if you're building an app for just locally, you want it to roll out into Europe. You want it to go everywhere. And so, by necessity, you have to look at what is sort of the global norms now around privacy and where it's settling. And so things like consent are the norm. Things like transparency are the norm, right? So, you know, I think devs get that. Uh, so there's differences, but, you know, at the end of the day, they may not make a difference to your business and how you run your business.
2: You've talked about some of the biggest privacy issues today that developers face. I mean, we look after game developers and app developers who have a global market. And as you said, the expectations that people have or users have around the world differs regulations differ what can a poor developer do to get their head around this what would you say are the three things they can address today to try and make sure they're privacy compliant right, right what
0: should a poor developer do so you know and it depends where they are in their life cycle so you know so my advice is always pretty straightforward i think if you already have you know an application or a service and you're you're up and running you know step one is just sort of figure out what data do you have so what have you been collecting? Where is it? You know, Find that intern's laptop from three summers ago where you've been storing stuff. Get it all in one place. Figure out what you have, right? And then once you sort of have that, then, okay, so can you organize it in some way? Because here's what you're going to have to do under the new rules. If a user calls up and says, I want you to take all my data out of your system, right? or give it to me, you're going to have to be able to find it and do that, and then purge it. So you're going to have to have it organized that way. So step one, figure out what you got. Step two, sort of organize it a little bit. And then, you know, once you sort of have that in hand, then the next step would be, okay, in future data collections, how am I going to do that in such a way that the user is aware at every step of why I'm asking for data, what I'm doing with it, you build that trust relationship going forward. If you're brand new, then that's where you would start, right? You would say, okay i got this app i'm going to build i'm going to ask for data or i'll need data to make this work Um, as i'm going through the flow of the program when i hit a point where i'm going to sort of do a data dip you know that's the time to alert the user and say hey is it okay if i use contact info i need it for these three things and you know yes no boom and away you go so you know there is some simple structural stuff i think that sort of allows you to put that in place Beyond that, once you do have data, just encrypt everything. You were joking that that's an easy answer, but but it is the answer At, at a certain point. Encrypt everything. I mean, you can get fancy and you can sort of anonymize data. You know, don't do stupid things like keep all the credit card information alongside all of the email addresses. So segment some of that stuff, right? Don't keep data you don't need. I mean, if you don't need a history of everyone, your location for the last three years, if all you need is the most recent five minutes, then purge the rest. Don't hold on to stuff you don't need, Mm. and that just sort of minimizes your exposure because if it gets out in the wild, you're responsible for that too.
2: It sounds like just general good business practice. If you have to plan ahead and think about, you know, what is the value that I want to give back to users? How does my product do that? and link it back to the value proposition you're giving to the customers, That it kind of makes sense to think about it in alignment with what you're building, right? Right,
0: absolutely. You know, if you're collecting data that you plan to sell or something like that, eh, you know, maybe rethink that business model, right? Those are the kinds of practices that governments are frowning on. So, you know, once it gets out of your hands, it goes on to the second and third tier markets. I mean, now you're, things are getting a little iffy, right? You know, don't surprise people, right? You know, if you need data for a reasonable part of your service, people will be happy to give it to you, right? They just, just tell them what you're up to.
1: I mean, the other thing is obviously that you also sometimes by keeping data that you may not need immediately, you may, without knowing or maybe even without intention, enabling scenarios that in the future become a problem. Like, uh, I don't know, co-locating data that was not meant to be co-located. Our recent history is full with things like that, unintended side use of data. So you may just store the location history in your music app, and all of a sudden somebody else can correlate these things because you decided to share your music data with some other service and you have no control of it. And the only way around that as a developer is to get rid of the damn data as soon as you <laughs> don't immediately need it anymore. Well,
2: Dirk, I have to do a plug for Google Play here and say there are also some very good things you should be doing around privacy, around our new permissions policies, which are there to really protect users, including just asking permissions the time you need it and making sure that it is only for those value propositions. But as we've discussed, it's just really, I think this topic is so big and developers are kind of caught between how do I make a great user experience where I need data to know who the customer is, how they're using my Apple game, and then use that to improve the actual value proposition versus what do I do with all this data I've collected? I'm at risk. Right. Do you have any good examples of developers who've tackled this in a really great way. Any like shining lights that we can point to other developers to look at and say here's a developer who's done it really well. That is
0: a great question. And you know, and I wish I could point to just one or two and say you know this is exactly the way. And I think if you'd asked me that 9 months ago, I would have had some examples, right? And what's interesting is that the climate seems to be changing a little bit. We originally had GDPR and so there was a set of rules and so I think there was people that implemented that in fabulous ways and did data minimization and some great stuff. And then we see rules coming out of Australia. We see rules coming out of the U.S. that sort of overlap and do some strange stuff. And because of the increased challenge, the people who are doing it really well, I think, want to do really well going forward. They've hired legal experts, privacy experts. All that has done is kind of made it more complicated the app I would have pointed to was, you know, that little app that tracks my keys, right? Because I I lose my keys. And so it was great. And I, you know, like I said, I'm one of these crazy guys that because I'm in this business, I read your privacy policy, and then I actually follow that little contact link and I ask questions, right? You know, and sometimes people don't answer and then I get a little upset with them. But, you know, I got an answer back, right? And I said, you're tracking my keys, right? So, So is there a record someplace of every place my keys have been, right? I'm not cool with that. Oh, no, no, no. We only track the very last location, right? So wherever they were last... And then we keep that, but we toss out everything else. And I said, well, that's great. Because, of course, wherever they stopped, that's where they are. So that's good for me. And, you know, the app is cool because it it allows other people that use the app to find my keys for me. Because if they pass my keys and my keys say, hi, I'm here. So that was great, right? But I go back and look now, and now the data record's getting a little longer. And we may be keeping it for a little longer than that because we have these other sort of opportunities we're chasing. So... I think there are people who have done it well. I'm sure there are people who are still doing it well. I think the challenge is if you have a successful app, there's a temptation to branch out a little bit and do a little bit more. And I will caution people, I guess, about sort of going too far because, you know, for me, I start using the service, I figure out the rules and I'm good. Everything is fine now, right? And then I dig in again and the rules have changed. And, you know, guess what? I don't track my keys anymore because I'm not really cool with that. So. Like I said, I wish I had a really, really good example. I know there are some out there. There are some that behave very, very well. But, you know, my shining lights of the sort of sensitive stuff are a little bit tarnished now.
2: Bruce, on that line of thinking about developers that have done it well, are there any that you've seen have a complete train smash and recover from it?
1: The whole time I was thinking, actually, we shouldn't ask him for the good ones. We should ask him for the really bad stories.
0: (laughs) I, I mean, it is really hard to recover once you lose user trust, right? I mean, I think we are watching some of those train wrecks taking place. I I don't know that I've seen people popping back from it yet because it's easy to earn trust up front. But once you lose it, it's really, really hard to get it back. And, you know, all it takes is one security breach. You know, all it takes is, you know, one big surprise where you're, you know, using data in a way that would be completely antithetical to what they're trying to accomplish I don't have a great example. I would encourage people not to go down that path. It is really, really hard to come back if you goof that up. I think the transparency is the key. So, you know, if you do get caught in a bit of a gray zone, open up, right? Tell people what you did, why you're doing it, make it all good.
2: So Bruce, you've been in a marketing and communications role in your long, you know, established history. (laughs) If a developer does stuff up, how should they communicate to users? Should they communicate to users? What's the best approach to try and... Salvage. Yeah,
0: you need to talk to people immediately. If there's a problem, you need to, you need to p- tell people there's a problem, right? You know, the trick is what do you tell them? And so the best advice I can give is you tell them what you know, you tell them what you don't know, and you don't sort of try to extrapolate between all those things. So if it's we've had a breach, well then we've had a breach. We don't know the extent of it, we're digging into it, we will get right back to you. At least people can see that you're working on it and they will allow you to do your work, right? Or You know, if some nefarious third party has reached in and, you know, we were sharing data with somebody and it turns out that they're using it to profile people and that wasn't what we intended, we've discovered it, we've cut it off, we're trying to figure out who was in the database. So being clear and upfront is always your best bet. I think there is always a tendency to try to keep some of these things quiet until you sort of have solved it all and then you want to step up and say, yeah, yeah, there was a problem, but it's all taken care of now. You know, the risk is somebody else discovers what you're up to the problem gets worse and now you're guilty of not just the original problem but hiding the original problem so be open with people people understand i mean stuff happens we get that you know they will they'll be upset with you but you know they may still trust you to do business in the future
2: when we think about your long career in this we keep going yeah, back to this telecoms. long career
0: i you know i'm am I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little sensitive about this now hold on let me get my beard up oh. off the floor yeah okay
2: if it's any consolation, Will you look
0: young for your age, Bruce.
2: Bruce, nice. we both studied Fortran. That might give us some indication of the you average know, age. No, there of was the a podcast. point in time where
0: Fortran programmers were worth a fortune. That's all I can say.
2: I know. I, I missed my I, opportunity. They still
1: are. If you find one who's willing to do it, <laughs> you can still make a fortune. You find one that
0: can get up out of his, his chair. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> I was just going to ask you, do you: Has anything in the recent five to ten years of this space? really surprised you and been unexpected? Ooh,
0: I have been pleasantly surprised. I'll, I'll say it's it's almost a little humbling, the response from the developer community to sort of embrace good practices. Certainly when we started out, it was Wild West, right? And, you know, you wanted to sort of grab all the data you could because who knows what this could be useful for and, you know, I'll find something and that'll be way cool and that's how you develop new stuff. And, you know, and then a few bad things happen and the bad actors creep in who are doing that for bad reasons. And just sort of the change in attitude that I see in the community where they say, you know, that's not cool, right? And, you know, if one person is doing all this negative stuff, it impacts all of us, right? So I think that has – I mean, I know it's changed, right? I I talk to devs now and I'll say, you know, like, you know, encrypt your data. Oh, no, we don't keep anything. Oh, yeah, we got rid of that. We get permission for everything and da-da-da because, you know, that's the way to do it. That's who we are. You know, if there's kids in our system, oh, you know, we don't advertise. We don't uh, – I would never do that, right? So – it's nice to see that the, you know, the community is recognizing not just that they have to do this stuff, but that, you know, it's good business to do this, right? Users are happy to do business with you if you're good people.
2: So on the back of that, if you think the industry is, at least the developer industry is embracing the idea that respecting people's privacy is basic business hygiene. Where do you think this industry is going to go in the next five years? We think about facial recognition, fingerprints, scanning on phones. It feels as though all the bits and pieces of our body and who we are are being recorded to a greater extent. Where is this all going to go?
0: Oh, you're one of those wild liberal people. <laughs> I, I, I joke. I, you know, it is. Um, there is no doubt that it is going to get more and more restricted, I'll say. There'll be more and more oversight of everything that is taking place. And you're right. There is some very sensitive data that people are now looking at. You know, DNA. We're already seeing sort of odd results coming out of people who don't recognize just how personal and sensitive some of that stuff is. You know, the rules will get tighter before they sort of get looser. If we are clever as a community, we will recognize the value of data as a resource for us to solve intractable problems. You can't cure cancer if you don't have the health data that allows you to see what's going on, right? And it's those big data sets that are allowing a lot of the advances, whether it's imagery so that we can now do image recognition or whether it's autonomous vehicles, so we need to know what roads look like, we need location data. You know, there's there's just this big long list of vast improvements in society that are driven by big data sets. So we owe it to ourselves to make sure that we can still access that right and it, and it's a trade as i said that people are happy to make so you know how do you do that well i think we're seeing it now with ai europe is stepping up and saying we're going to regulate ai and what they're working around now is what is the difference you know when they say ai and we're trying to school them a little are you talking about data sets are you talking about algorithms what is it you're trying to encapsulate and Our message to them is the data needs to be out there and available. There are ways to anonymize data sets. There are ways to manage data sets in a secure fashion so that, you know, we can still have the progress. But if we don't as an industry, with every new tool we come up with, if we don't sort of factor in privacy and how will it be handled, and we don't do that in an effective way and give people control so that they feel they're controlling their data, then you know, the regulation is going to, it will just become more and more strict. There'll be less and less data available and society as a whole will suffer, not just our industry, but all the things we're trying to accomplish won't happen.
1: Now, all you pointed out is a concern for clearly us as an industry. It's a concern that is particularly strong in Europe and growing in the Americas and in Australia and so on. But we do know that, for instance, China has a much easier perspective on all these things. And is
0: there an answer to that concern?
2: And is there a competitive advantage? <laughs> yeah.
0: So I read a fascinating document that came out of the U.S. Department of Defense just in the last month, talking about AI and how AI would be used by the Department of Defense. Now, okay, autonomous weapons, all this sort of stuff comes to mind, and you think, you're right, how do you manage that? There's tremendous risk there. The way that they described artificial intelligence, data sets, how these tools are used, Was fascinating because they talk about, for instance, AI in defense systems and how the enemy would try to trick your AI by providing false data and training it to do unpredictable things, right? Because that's, of course, the enemy's goal is to make it unpredictable. And so, you know, how do they build systems that are unpredictable to the enemy, predictable to us, and cannot be spoofed to be unpredictable? I mean, You don't need to go to China and all that stuff. We're wrestling with those concepts inside Western culture, right? And, you know, Department of Defense, it's not sort of the people I go to necessarily for deep thinking, but on this one, absolutely, right? They have thought this stuff through because information is how you prevent war in addition to how you fight it nowadays, right? And certainly if we talk about risks to data and of advanced systems, the take they have on privacy, you know, is absolutely built around they have... Tremendous data sets from all of the soldiers, the people inside their systems. You know, they have been tracking data for years, right? And they have to manage all that. So, you know, they are keenly aware and wrestling with these problems. And it's a great experimental think tank to see some of this stuff happen. But to your point, there will always be somebody who has access to this stuff. And so at the very least, we need to have thought through the ramifications and how do you handle data for good, so that if nothing else, you can combat data for evil, because it'll be out there. I'll take a half step back and I'll say, well, privacy is you know seen as a right in Europe. I think universally people recognize there is value in privacy. People desire privacy. And I don't care if you live in China, if you live in the US, if you work for the Department of Defense, right? You value your privacy. And so at some level, even countries will have to compete in a social currency for... Why would my citizens stay in a society where something they value is abused, right? And so it just creates additional social pressure in those societies that don't handle this effectively. You can only go so far with violating the trust of your population, right? It's, it's the same as our users in a dev context, right? If, if the citizens you know, feel at some point that this is completely inappropriate, you know, government, eh, you know, they can push that pretty far, but at a certain point, people rise up. And so I'll caution the Chinese, right? Be careful how far you go and be careful what you do with this because y- you just create bigger and bigger problems. And at some point, they may be big enough to overwhelm you.
1: And to be fair, I didn't want to discredit that there are plenty of Chinese developers being privacy conscious and developing good practices, but it seemed to be one of the things that comes up as a theme in this discussion that I was thinking about.
0: Yeah, a lot of that is not the developers, it's pressure from the government to do certain things, and just like we are encouraged to go down a certain path with privacy, you know, you may be encouraged elsewhere to do different things, and you know, that doesn't mean that you know, you don't have some freedom to assert your own thinking on that.
2: So taking it back to the developers who might be listening to the podcast, what are the key rules or principles that they need to be aware of? We talked about GDPR. That's very Europe-specific. What are the other key regulations that you're aware of that might be coming down the line that they should know about in their different regions of the world?
0: So GDPR, obviously, you're right. You need to figure out what what's required there. And You know, for a dev, you can break it down to some basic stuff and it's transparency and it's security and it's, you know, making sure that you are, you know, tell people who you are and what you're doing and what data you're collecting and why you're collecting it and, you know, don't go passing it on to third parties and package it up so you can return it to them. There's some basic stuff and there's lots of online resources that'll sort of give you those high-level views.
2: Can they find all that
0: information from your website? You can find links to it from my website, absolutely. The current activity, I'll say, in the U.S., uh, California has stepped into the game, right? Talk about Wild West. Sometimes California is a country unto itself. And so a hastily drafted set of rules out there, which like GDPR, seek to sort of go beyond the California boundaries. So you know, don't think that if you aren't in California, this is not your problem. If you have users in California, you need to think about this rule. It'll kick in. In theory, it kicks in January 1. I think July is when they talk about enforcing it. But in some ways, more stringent than GDPR, in some ways, more lax, and in some ways, sort of overlapping. So it's getting a little confusing. California's requirement is that you need to ask people's permission if you're going to use their data. What's interesting in California's law is if they say, no, I don't want you to have any of my data, you still have to give them the service, right? Under the terms that you had offered to anybody else. And so our advice to anyone to sort of prep for this thing is charge for your app and give people a discount to free if they are willing to let you access some data, because the default becomes the default, right? So, you know, you need to be bored.
2: The US is a very big market for a lot of the developers that I talk to. Many of them are actually relying on advertising to fund their business model. So in these circumstances, are they going to have to have a pop-up uh, when someone uses or opens their game to say, do you give permission?
1: At least in Europe, GDPR, what you would see is that basically more and more services ask you if you're fine with personalized advertising. If you say no, then you get the one-size-fits-all type of advertising. Then then you're not getting your advertising, but more the general broadband, I-don't-care-if-it-really-fits-your-needs type of advertising. And you can do that, right? And I assume probably in California we'll go to the same place. I think
0: that's probably right. I've talked to developers out there who, you know, for instance, you know, now you can... In many apps, you can already turn off the customized advertising and just say, I just want context, generic advertising. The feedback I'm getting is that drops the revenue per user down to about 30% of what it was before. So it's not costless to go down that path. You know, your comment about the warnings and stuff, the California rule wants you to put a pop-up on your game, on your website, any place where somebody could enter that says, you have the right to say, no, you can't have my personal data, right? And- Just think about if you have just a simple website, any page that somebody could enter on has to have that banner so that it's the first thing that people see. I mean, you're going to have to re-architect everything you do because there's probably a dozen different ways people can be the first path into your app, your service, your game, your, your website, right? And so it's going to be a little bit tricky. Now, the California thing is I think there's going to be a lot of teeth gnashing for the next six months as people sort of work this out. I'll give you just one more scary thing about it. It looks backwards 12 months. So, somebody could say to you in July, by the way, I want the last 12 months' worth of data that you have collected that has my name in it. So, hopefully, you're doing all this stuff now because it's all retroactive. So, don't ignore that one. And then, Australia and others. We are seeing very similar sets of rules that are, as the lawyers would say, extraterritorial. So, it doesn't matter that you don't live in Australia, it doesn't matter that you don't develop in Australia. If somebody in Australia is accessing your game and is in your user base, you'll need to put those tools in for that person, at which point you might as well put them in for everybody.
2: So this feels like a it's almost the opposite of the lowest common denominator right. problem. It's what is the strictest regulation globally and follow that.
0: You're right, except that some of them are mutually exclusive. So there's things that you must do here that you are forbidden from doing elsewhere. So it's, it's horrible, right? So let's get back to what I do for a living, right? So I walk around Brussels. I talk to the people that make these rules. I, I, I walk around DC. I talk to these people. Their goals are usually noble. They want to be able to protect people's privacy because citizens demand it. They are not trying to set up regimes that are incompatible. But they go down this path where they sort of game, oh, well, you know, how would they get around this? And what would those nasty developers do? And they get themselves tied up in knots, and we end up in these weird places. So you know, we are doing everything we can to try to Help them to navigate the technology, to understand, you know, the implications of what it is that they're talking about. I'm hopeful that California will make some amendments as time goes by, and we'll come up with something workable. They aren't going to sort of jump on the tiny dev the first day. You know, it'll be people like Google and others that are going to have to face the the fight first. And luckily, they have the resources. You guys have the resources to manage this a little better. But we're trying to get people to what is a common sense set of rules and obligations that we can all sort of accept, right? And, and from our point of view, I think empowering the user to be able to make those decisions. People are sophisticated and they understand, as I said, that the app isn't free. I understand you're advertising to me. I get it. You're making money on that somewhere. And so you just need to make that whole bargain explicit and people will, they'll opt in. And then you have to make sure that Whatever you said you were going to do, whatever limits you put on yourself, you follow them, right? And if we can get that in place, I think you know, some of this Wild West legal world starts to go away. That's, I'm hopeful.
1: Yeah, and we are all learning, right? It's going to change over time and people will figure out incompatibilities. and
0: yeah, yeah, we may end up, you know, in the advertising world, you're right. Context-based advertising may become the new norm again, right? So it's back to newspapers and TV because that's where it started and it, it may end up going back there. Or not. Or we
1: come back to actually paying apps for the work that the developers put in instead of just for the marketable value. We will see.
2: Bruce, I have to ask you, so how can developers who are listening to this today get involved? It sounds as though the Developer Alliance be a great resource for them. What should they do?
0: Our influence in Brussels and DC is measured by the size of our community. And we don't make much of a demand on people. You know, we you know, we're a little trade association. We have members, large platforms that are members, and they foot most of the bills. And then we have some 70,000 developers out there in these big developer communities that we sort of represent. We represent the developers. In fact, we sometimes take stances against platforms where the developer community is better served by some other approach, right? But we rely on individual developers to sometimes step up put up their hand and say this issue is important to me and I would like to talk to a member of parliament in Europe I'm willing to fly into DC and talk to somebody about patent trolls cuz that's really important to me right and so you know we are only as good as our community so I would encourage everyone you know head to our website uh, just you know sign up for our newsletter just sort of keep uh, your finger on on the pulse of what's going on here we'll be in the supreme court in a couple of months arguing to protect APIs. What the heck? APIs at the Supreme Court, right? You know, so, you know, if these sorts of things are either news to you or you'd like to be involved in some way, like I said, just put in your name. We don't charge you any money. The big guys pay. You know, if you're rich, I may hit you up for something. But, you know, for most for most devs, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, just be involved. Maybe answer a survey once in a while. That's all we need.
2: And it doesn't matter if they're not American; they can still join. Oh, up.
0: absolutely. We were. We're in fact. We we Great. love hearing opinions and voices from elsewhere. It's it's very useful to us.
1: Yeah. In, in my line of work, I work a lot with the Google communities, the GDGs, and uh, the. Google Developer Experts, and what sometimes strikes me is that they are usually the kind of people that would double down drilling in their tech and and say, oh, we are not really a voice in all this. They don't recognize how important they are as a voice by now. So in the past, every once in a while, developers would sit down and, and sign an open letter that was set up by the Developer Association that would contribute or or make themselves um heard and known with their opinions. And that has a huge influence because uh, it, it it just pays off if you're not surprised by some regulation that all of a sudden changes everything you do. But uh, you try to organize yourself as a party in that discussion, somebody who actually knows how this whole thing plays out as soon as some regulation is, is set in right, stone. Right.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we need experts, right? We have brought dozens of developers into Brussels to sort of sit down and have breakfast with people and talk about what's going on in their world or on some specific issue, educate a little bit. We can only do that, though, if we have a community and resources in the community we can draw on. So please join up, add yourself to our list. We won't cause you too much trouble.
2: I very much hope that everyone listening here who is a developer uh, recognizes they can have their voice heard, signs up to your alliance. Any last comments or insights you think that uh, are important for our listeners to hear from you that you haven't had a chance to speak about?
0: I think the key message all the way through is privacy is not going away. If we don't deal with this in a pragmatic, rational way and don't sort of step up, then people will do it for us. And it'll be people who don't understand tech. They don't know software. And they will put rules in place that you cannot live with. And once the rules are in, it's really hard to get them out. So the principles are simple. User trust is what's key. So be transparent. Tell people what you need data for. Don't use it for anything that would surprise them. Surprises are bad. Encrypt the heck out of everything and stay engaged on this topic. So you can go to Google's website. You'll see lots of information on privacy and all the tools that the Play Store has in place. You can go to any of the other platforms. You'll find, you know, near equivalents. You can go to our website. We have, you know, some basic principles, sort of best practices that will help you go in the right direction. And then after that, once you're really successful, figure out what your local laws are and get some help. Early days, just do the right thing. And then, you know, you have to do a little more hygiene as you as success builds. But uh, I I think that's a good message for everybody. I know that, you know, the community wants to hear it. I know that they want to do the right thing. So I'm optimistic all this stuff ends in a good place.
1: I agree. I think it's going to be in the end a strength for us and it's going to be something that helps us. Bruce, it was awesome to have you. Thank you for doing this with us. I could go on for hours with you.
0: I'm old though, so I'll need a nap
2: soon. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry for the dig. Thank you so much, Bruce. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thanks a lot, Bruce, for your insights. Thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us for this Apps Games and Insights podcast. If you have any thoughts on the topics raised, we would love to hear from you at Google Play Devs on Twitter. Join us for a new episode next week, where we are talking to Ben Clark, Senior Global Marketing Director at Jagex, about how to successfully engage with players to grow a game.